Fatherhood is fascinating. One day you're dad of the year, and the next day is, well, the next day. Welcome to Positively Dad, a podcast designed to help dads embrace the journey. Thanks for joining us on Positively Dad. My name is James Shaw. I'm your host. I'm a dad. My wife, Terry, and I have a almost eight-year-old second grader in our house. Her name is Naomi. In fact, she's going to join us at the end of the episode. She always does the kids' corner, so stick around for that. It's always good stuff. My goal on Positively Dad is to help us grow as parents, people, and partners, and I trust we're doing that. Our downloads are way up over the last month, so thank you to everyone who's been listening and subscribing and sharing it with people. And if this is your first time on the podcast, thanks for listening, and I hope you subscribe and share it with others as well. My goal, again, is just to help us grow and get better. And we do two podcasts every single week. You're listening to what I call our more traditional podcast. We release these every Monday morning. And then on Thursday, we do an episode where we talk to a dad about being a dad. And uh, those are really great. So go back and listen to those as well. I'm excited for our conversation today. Really, this conversation is one anyone can listen to. If your kids are with you, turn it up, have them take notes and pay attention. If you're not a parent, you'll get great value out of it as well, because this is something that applies to all of us. And that's failure. We all fail. And, you know, there's so many quotes about it and things that that, you know, to make you feel good. I love the Thomas Edison quote that's attributed to him. You know, he invented the light bulb and it took him, you know, 10,000 attempts to invent the light bulb. And and the famous quote from him is, I haven't failed. I just found 10,000 ways. It didn't work. Lance Armstrong said, pain is temporary. Quitting lasts forever when you think about failure. Winston Churchill, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It's the courage to continue that counts. Okay, so all that stuff is great, and you can go to read books that have all that stuff in it, go to events that talk about it and get you all pumped up, and the truth is, though, what do you do when you fail? And what if it's true that when you fail, it actually makes you better? Well, we found someone that did the research to find out if that's true. Could we quantify, could we actually go and prove that failing in the long run makes you better? And the research says it probably does. Today, our guest is Dr. Deshaun Wang. He's over at Northwestern University in Chicago, and they looked at it from an academic standpoint. They looked at at people and students who were writing papers and asking for grants and things like that, and they found out that those who who barely got in, who who barely got their grant, what did their success look like long-term? And then they compared it with people who didn't get the grant, who didn't get the award, who didn't get the paper published, and what happened to their success down the road. In other words, the people who failed did they actually succeed at a higher level later than the people who succeeded early? And and if that's the case, how does that change the way that we look at failure? I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation, so let's jump in. Dr. Wang, thank you so much for joining us on Positively Dad. Oh, yeah, no, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. Okay, so I was really intrigued by your study that came out talking about failure. And I know that you're looking in the world of academics, and yet I feel like it probably applies, you know, just about to everybody. And as you've been studying this for a really long time, it sounds like that failure actually is a good thing for us in the long run. That seems so. Start to see, seems like that way. And we start to see evidence from a, a few initial domains. And I think, you know, the learning we had along the way that can be useful for a wide range of people. You know, in particular, this recent study you mentioned, we looked at in academia where people near missed in the early grant funding application ended up being much a bigger winner in the long run. 
What you found, I guess, was, you know, if someone was applying for their first grant and they were declined, that they had more success later down the line where someone else who maybe got their first one and maybe it was a little bit borderline and yet they were they earned one. They didn't see that same success down the road. Uh, that's right. That's in a nutshell what we find. If you ask me, this is like as much as intellectual curiosity is also I'm really curious about the answer to this question myself as well. You know, as a professor or even as a dad, I, I see the different early career setbacks along the way. And I'm always curious about, you know, just how big of a difference would it make if you uh, had an early career near miss or an early career narrow win, uh, how big of a difference would it make? So that was something that always uh, I'm curious about and, you know, partly motivated by my fair share of uh, near misses. It's really a dream come true when we get a chance to uh, get our hands dirty on the data and actually get to answer this from the data. Yeah, well, and it wasn't just a little bit of data. I mean, you looked at, what, a quarter of a million grants and and over a 15-year period or something like that. I mean, you really dove in and looked at the data. And it seems like, like you said, a, a near miss and a little bit of failure actually helps you. Can be helpful, it turns out. In many ways, you know, this is kind of a research that actually almost sounds trivial when we start. Because if you ask me to actually guess, you know, between the people who succeed and people who didn't, uh, who will get better? Even though these two people are exactly the same people, I will still put my money on the people, the narrow winners, right? Because what we know from a wide range of research, uh, decades of research in social sciences is this idea that, you know, winning begets more winnings. Rich gets richer. Success breeds success, right? So even though the winners and losers were essentially the same kind of people, then the winning itself can actually snowball itself and then increasingly set apart winners from the losers, right? So sure. that's what what our leading hypothesis came in. And, and in, in many sense, in our data, we did find that. For example, the people who won the grant early on, if you look at in the future, uh, how much grants they got again, and you see they do seem to get more grants from both NIH as well as from other agencies. So this is the support, this idea that winning begets more winnings. Just the fact getting more money early on will help you get more money. But I think the surprising part is really when we actually look at what they produce, and especially the quality of the work they produce measured in citations or other various measures. And that's where you find the work they produce actually tend to be better. The people who ended up losing in this case uh, tend to be better, produce better work than the winners. Okay, so I know you're a researcher and you probably won't like what I'm going to say. And yet I would feel like it would be safe to assume that this is something that could translate kind of across the board when it comes to success and failure, that you actually can end up winning when you have initial failure. Would you agree with that? You know, James, I, I'm glad you asked me that. You know, I, I think we can only stick to what evidence we currently have. Obviously, yeah. for this case, we did find evidence. I can tell you, though, and we continue to think about this set of questions, and we now do have a preliminary evidence suggests that the same phenomena generalized to a broader domain. That being said, I, I do want to sort of, especially for your show, as I was researching this paper particularly, I was going through a top period, namely that, you know, we had our first one, Alan. He's now three years old. And he, okay. I remember when I was researching the paper, he was about uh, one year old. My wife and I were going through a top period because, you know, the winter in Chicago and the first time in daycare is just not a 
perfect mix, you know? And sure. so what happened there is then he will get sick all the time, you know? And so we have to, you know, get called almost every week and, and get him out of daycare. And then uh, it was funny conversation. And, you know, if any parents have this experience, well, no, in this case, the daycare teacher will tell you, you know, this is good for the kids because if they get experience these early on, then they actually got stronger next winter and also in the future as well. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. And I listened to it. I was like, you know what? That's like exactly what I researched. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. So there's, there's some truth to it. And it's true, right? It's, it's, we don't, and, and by the way, the daycare, all the job of the daycare is, is to get them sick, I feel like, right? They come home sick. And in the long run, though, that teacher's saying, hey, it makes them stronger. And you're saying the same thing when we fail. It ultimately makes us stronger. So how do we take that failure and turn it into something that makes us stronger? Exactly. I, th- I think it does g- give us some hope to think about what might happen if you're pretty weird, although it doesn't guarantee, obviously, right? Because you know it depends on my- many different factors. Yeah, so it does, I, I think, gives us uh, some hope to think about the uh, relative importance of winning and-, and losing in the early career and what will happen in the future if we do pretty weird. One thing I think I wanted to point out is I also feel like you know, this finding by itself taught me several things. One obvious thing is when I fail again, then I tell myself, right? So don't worry, stick to it. That I may end up helping me become better. But also, you know, strangely, I can tell you, James, last year, actually, it also helped me when I had a narrow win. You know, it also became quite educational to myself to think about what happened to the narrow winners? Let's just take that uh, daycare analogy a little further okay. uh, to think about, you know, we also know, you know, if kids grow up in a stereo environment, then ended up being quite fragile later in life, right? And at this point, you know, we don't quite have a lot of the empirical evidence to support it. But I think by my own experiences, start to actually tell me, you know, even if you are a narrow winner, that the interesting part about narrow winners and narrow winners never think they're not winners, right? Mm, so yeah. uh, even if you have a win, then also it tells you not to become complacent, remember to up your game because the near misses at the same time could actually end up outpace you in the future. You know, I do this uh, annual review uh, session with all my guys in my lab. I remember last year uh, I had this grad student who, you know, she's, she's been doing a fantastic job by any measure. She's just been a very productive student and she had this major paper published that year. You know, I think the review session was supposed to be simple, but then in the middle of it, I realized I reminded her, I was like, we did have a major paper published this year, and that does count like accomplishment. Mm-hmm. But should we also remember the fact that we were narrow winners? Because that mm-hmm. paper almost got killed. We, we mm-hmm. really just tried very hard to convince the referee and the editor that it's worth publishing. So in many ways, we were narrow winners. And now that got me also thinking Then maybe we should also take heart what we learned doesn't matter which side of that dumb luck you are in. I think the findings is quite useful to think about what it implies. I love what you said here about her because her paper got published and this was a big deal for her and we can celebrate that. And almost we forget that it barely got accepted. And so we want to be careful not to get complacent because the person who didn't get their paper accepted, well, they might actually end up with a little bit more drive 
because they're so disappointed. I mean, is that what you found? We, we end up just getting, at times, a little bit more drive to make it happen when we have a miss, and that that, in turn, could allow us to pass the person who's a little bit complacent. Yeah, I think what are the underlying processes that can explain this finding, right? Because what we found is that just somehow, some way, those people who missed early on their misses became better than their narrow wing counterparts. But the question remains, you know, what exactly these people did that actually made them better? We actually tested a whole bunch of hypotheses in the paper and about mm-hmm. actually 10 of them. But then the disappointing part is that we haven't been able to locate precisely what were the underlying processes. And the, the tricky part here is the following, right? Is that we can only test factors that are observable from data. Sure. So there could be observable factors like what you just described. It could be like this person, you know, put in more effort or just a psychological effect in terms of thinking, well, that didn't work out. So now I got to get up 30 minutes earlier. Things like these, we couldn't really observe from data, right? So those uh, remain for future work for us to actually isolate. But for now, we did test a whole range of uh, quite plausible and observable factors from data, but then we couldn't quite explain what we observed. Yeah, I would imagine. So if you had to guess what it is based on what you've seen, what is the difference in the long run between the narrow miss and the, you know, the one who barely got in? You know, if I had to guess, I, again, just can't stress this enough, is that it, it is a guess. Uh, we don't really quite have the data. If I had to guess, I, I think the results largely points to a psychological effect uh, against failure. Just, there's a lot of psychology literature to show uh, failure can motivate people a lot more because it tells you more effort is needed. I did feel that could really may as well be what happens here. Is mm-hmm. that you know these are early career professors, they start their own lab and apply for grants. They know they were close, right? They don't know they're exactly the right first one next. You know, they don't know that, but they, mm-hmm. they know they have a score that NIH gave them. So they know they were not so far away, but they also yeah. know they didn't work hard. So that will give them some sense of they now have to try harder. Whereas the narrow winners, on the other hand, if you think about it, could also allow them to miscalculate, to think about that was good enough. But in reality, they were just a dumb luck. Yeah, I was going to say, there's got to, at times, there just has to be some luck involved too. Right place, right time, right person making the decision, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So the the thing that's so great about having you on to talk about this on this particular podcast is that, you know, we're talking to dads and, and I love this approach from goals that, you know, dad might have when it comes to, you know, a work goal or a career goal or just a dream they've got, you know, in their mind. And then this is also something we could be teaching to our kids. And I mean, you've got kids you just gave us an example. How would you take this data as a dad and use this as a way to support and help your kids? As they're facing, you know, just struggles on their path to growing up. You know, over the past three years, I, I we had two kids, so now I have two sons. Uh, Mark is today now one year old. Alan is three years old. So I've been thinking a lot in the fact because I research success and failure, and uh, naturally I, I wanted to think a lot about what are things I can learn to help them to succeed, or maybe just be more robust and resilient against failures. Because the right. thing with failure is that no one's immune to it. So yeah. it's really about how you respond to it. I think one interesting idea is this idea of strategic failures. 
you know, this idea of what doesn't kill you make you stronger. We, we say that over and over. But if you actually take it more seriously and break it down, then it actually says if you can actually create a nurturing condition where the failure doesn't kill the kid, then maybe that you can actually strategically engineer small failures that actually make them stronger. You're saying actually create failures for them to experience? It's a very controversial. Uh, You have to really understand the boundary, which I don't, full disclaimer, I don't know the boundary conditions yet. All I'm saying is, you know, what this means is that if you take this idea further is to think, well, then can, can we actually leverage failure to make us stronger strategically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, for many dad, this is a familiar idea. Let me probably familiar to you as well, James, is that, we, you know, the dads go to gym and we do bench press all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Think about what happens in bench press. Why do you push the weight that just push you to the limit that's, you know, five reps or less? Why don't you just do the bar, you know, uh, <laughs> which is easier? Well, because if you just the bar itself, then uh, that's what, 45 pounds? That, you know, yes. that just gets you tired. That doesn't build your muscle, doesn't get you stronger, no matter how many reps you do. What really builds your muscle is the weight that is hard to push, but you can still push it. And, and then what happened the second day? You, you get really sore. Biology, what, what are those muscles doing? They broke down and then they regrow and then they now make you stronger. So, you know, I think many dads do this all the time. Uh, and I think there are a lot of the different programs online that can show you, you know, how exactly if you want to increase the weight, increase the strength of your muscle, what's the program that you got to do? What is the equivalent or similar form for raising a kid? Well, it seems like, too, is we can't come in and save everything all the time, right? That there, that there's some things that we've got to just know that, the whatever way they're attempting to do something isn't going to work. And as long as their health or safety isn't in, in danger, then let them give it a shot. It, you know, something that comes to mind for me would be, let's say the kids want to go outside and play and it's cold outside and you say, put on your coat and they go, I don't want to put on my coat. Well, you can argue with them about it, about putting on their coat or just have them go outside. And in about a minute and a half, they're going to come back in and put on their coat. And so their idea failed and they figured it out. And that's kind of a goofy, silly example. It's the same thing. As long as their health is not in jeopardy or their safety is not in jeopardy, then let them figure it out. Let them have those failures instead of coming in to save them all the time. Because when you go to the gym, you wouldn't get any stronger if the person spotting you was helping you lift the weight up and down every time. Exactly. That's a great uh, analogy. I think it's really as a parents, we're spotters, you know, I, I think that how do you create the safe environment for kids to fail and, you know, to think about they would really benefit from failures. But there has to be productive failures. Their failure is just not very productive. It's unlikely they would learn anything. Then those are the things that we'll try to avoid and help them avoid. But I think there are rather educational productive failures that could be actually good for them to fail. And one thing I learned with this very short period that now I'm still a young parent is that whatever happened to the kid, it just, it feels so much worse than it happened to ourselves. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think the takeaway is we're, we're going to fail. And the, the difference is how you handle and respond to that. Some of the people in your study who, who didn't get their, their grant or didn't get their paper published, 
they went back and figured out, okay, where, where did I go wrong? Where was my mistake? And they went and got after it and got better. And in the long term, that led to better results where those that were easily, not even easily succeeding, they were succeeding at some level early. Then the question is, when does complacency come in? So we've got to teach this to our kids because our kids are going to have narrow wins also. And to recognize when it's a narrow win and teach them, hey, this is not where we would like to get satisfied because there's another kid sitting out there who wants your spot on the team. But it's like the Michael Jordan story, right? And somebody wants that spot. And if you get complacent, then you might lose it to this person. I mean, to use Michael Jordan as an example, when he went into the Hall of Fame, he brought his high school basketball coach and the guy who made the team instead of him, so the you know the 12th player or however many there are on the team, brought those two guys and said, hey, because of you, I'm here, because not making the team failing gave me the drive to get better. And it turns out he ended up being the best basketball player ever. So, you know, that might be happening. You could end up being the guy that makes the team instead of Jordan, and then nobody knows who you are. Or you could be Jordan or anywhere in between. That's exactly right. I I agree with you 100%. One last thing I want to add, just take that Michael Jordan story. Uh, If you think about it, not making the high school team and then ended up being, you know, obviously greatest of all time. You know, I think what we find here is I think contribution of the paper is first empirical evidence that provides a causal link between early career near miss or setback and long-term success. And, and so what the causal link tells us is then the Michael Jordan become greatest of all time, not in spite of not making the team, but can be because of not making mm-hmm, right. the high school team. Well, Dr. Wang, you've taught us so much today. I just, I appreciate it. Is there a final message you want these dads to, to understand based on your research? I think we covered most of them. Thank you so much for having me. I always say uh, when I speak and to an audience that uh, could be similar to many of your audiences, uh, I think many of the people we talk to, they are actually quite successful. But no, no matter how successful they are, my bet is that they will sooner or later, there will still be things that don't go the way they would like. But mm-hmm. I think when that happens, it's very important to take heart what we find. And actually, hopefully, this gives you some hope to think about what, what may happen if you do persevere. Great stuff. Thank you, Dr. Wang, so much. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. There you go. Failure is not bad. If you fail, you may actually succeed at a higher level in the long run. Why? Don't know. Not sure. He gave you some examples and some thoughts and some theories as to why. And the truth is, though, you may succeed in the long run. The question I would ask you to think about is, do you understand what caused you from succeeding? And are you looking at those things and attempting to get better? We had a gentleman on, John Doran who uh, joined us really early on. It's a great one to go back. It's, it's an episode called Raising Happy and Successful Kids. And he said, failure stands for first attempt in learning. And the thing I'd ask you to think about is this, failure isn't final. In John Acuff's book, Finish, he talks about how we're looking for progress over perfection. And are you getting better as time goes on? Are you willing to keep after it, learn from that failure and move forward? And then the other question I would ask is, if you're having success early, Are you going back and actually looking at where is it that you're failing? Gary Keller, who's a great mentor of mine, I've worked with Keller Williams for a long time, says this. Sometimes we are succeeding so slowly, we feel like we're failing. The opposite's true too. Sometimes we're failing so slowly, we feel like we're succeeding. 
So go in and look where you're winning and where life is good and everything's perfect and pink fluffy unicorns. Ask yourself the question, all right, where are the areas, the blind spots, the things that I'm not noticing that I could correct? And then if you're struggling in an area, first go back and go, where am I actually succeeding here? Where am I winning? And am I making progress over perfection? Great stuff from Dr. Wang, and I trust you got value out of it too. All right, let's wrap up the way we wrap up every episode. And that's we invite Naomi. She's almost eight years old. She's our second grader, and she does the Kids' Corner. What are the kids thinking? Time to find out in the Kids' Corner with your host, Naomi. Hi, my name is Naomi Shaw, and today the parents might be a little crazy about this, but today I'm going to talk about ketchup. Well, this is going to be like a little funny um, one because kids probably like ketchup, and I have a ketchup bottle right here. So let me look at this. It says tomato ketchup, 57 varieties, grown, not made. So this is real tomatoes, not made tomatoes. So you can follow Hens on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Um, Ketchup is made out of tomatoes, and it's red. You put it on hot dogs. You can mix it with mustard. That's it from the Amish Corn. Have a great day. Bye. Good stuff from the kiddo. I'm so proud of her. Really am. Hey, I'm proud of you too for listening. I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to join us on Positively Dad today. I trust we added some value to you. We gave you some perspective about what failure really means and what it looks like, what you can learn from it, what happens when you win, and what can you learn from that too. So trust you got value out of it. If you did, would you share it with somebody who might get value out of it as well? Or or give us a rating. Five stars are great on whatever platform you're listening. Subscribe to us so you never miss an episode. We do two every week, and it's great stuff. And then next, if you'd follow us on social media, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search Positively Dad. You'll find us real easy. Finally, if you know somebody that would be a great guest on the show, or maybe you'd like to be on the show, reach out to me. Send me an email, james at positivelydad.com, and I'd love to hear from you. Hey, I want to thank you for listening. You're awesome. I appreciate you. Keep pushing forward. We'll talk to you next time on Positively Dead. I'm James Shaw. Have a great day. Bye-bye.